and ride with me in my foul life. The, la- the original Live Duck was awesome, but I don't know if it's just that you hit this one, you got me perfect, or is it a different design than the original Live Duck? I just keep tweaking them. I mean, just keep, I can't freaking stop tweaking with them, you know? Like what? What do you mean tweaking? Just tweaking the tone board, tweaking, adjusting the drill hole, adjusting the tone board itself. I'll tweak it. And I mean, of course, the cleaner you cut it, the newer the bit that you put in there, if you put a brand new bit, about the sixth or seventh one after that brand new bit will just be perfect. It's kind of got to break in that bit a little bit. So what is the live duck? How, if I came up to you at a, at your booth at a show or at, let's say you're at max behind the call counter and I just happened to be in Stuttgart that day and I walk in, I'm like, Oh man, there's Chris Sifrey, one of the best duck callers in the world. The yeah. best duck call designer in the world. But what, how would you explain it? Say, Hey, Mr. Chris, what kind of call is the live duck? Uh, it's a J-frame call, single read. It's going to be a call that's going to be medium to – got good real medium to loud range. It's not as loud as a Megafor, of course, or loudmouth. Um, flat tone board, got a lot of hold in it. Good back pressure. I was thinking about that on the way here as far as – the reason why I like the live duck so much, and you probably like it is, is that when you blow into it, it gives back to you. It's responsive, you know. A J-frame, a good J-frame call. That's what it's going to do. It's going to give back to you the whole time and just give you that response. Um, you know, a lot of calls you just blowing through. Ones that you can really lean onto, calls that you can really lean onto, you pound on it, and it's not giving you a lot of back pressure, you know, to you, to where you can do all those tricks and, you know, as far as do a bouncing hand or Cajun squeal or a good soft feed chatter you know the more back pressure you have the better your feed chatter is going to be and the better your low end is going to be so um the live duck is going to be a call that basically you want to get medium to loud volume to high volume but you can also work it down on the bottom end really really nice and and quiet um that's kind of how i explain it it's a it's one of my favorite calls by all means i love the mega four I love a chit chat, but if I had one, I'd probably b- blow the live duck. You know, it's That's it's a little more. <clears throat> it's not as user friendly as a megaphor. It's not as user friendly as a chit chat. But if you can run a call, the live duck is where it's at. Mainly because it it'll get loose on you if you can't control it. Because I feel a little bit of looseness in it if you don't have your air pressure perfect. Does that sound fair to say? If you don't keep your throat open and blow hot air it will cut out on you. You're gonna lock it down. Um, unlike the Megaphor or the Chit Chat. The Chit Chat's got that tight exhaust, so you can blow into it and it's constantly giving you a lot, a lot of back pressure. You can overblow the Chit Chat too, but it's it's a lot harder to overblow a Chit Chat or a Megaphor or a Loudmouth or a Small Talk than it is a Live Duck. Live Duck is all finesse. Tons of finesse, tons of control, really knowing how to run a call. So, when you say that you say that it'll lock down on you 
if you don't keep your throat open? Are you saying like if you pinch your air or you try to get your mouth cavity real tight and you're not presenting the air the perfect way, it's not as forgiving as another J, even another J frame? Because the Mega Four is a completely different gut system that you've designed. That's also in the small talk and the loud mouth. Um, why would it lock down? That's exactly why it locked down. You pinch your throat off. You know, you get tired as you blow. You know, you go through cycles of blowing out in the field or whatnot. You kind of got to, you got to keep that throat open. If you pinch it down, you're going to lock it down. But as you blow, to be honest with you, in the first in the morning, I might blow in the shop and I'm not getting my throat completely open. And then later in the day, I'm starting to train my throat and uh, starting to get that muscle memory in my throat and I'll start keeping my throat open. So, yeah, it all comes down to keeping your throat open. A lot of people don't know how to open the throat. They pinch down. They blow cold air, for one thing, and they're not blowing the hot air. Um, you know, they're pinching their notes, uh, not blowing through their notes. It's all about you got to kind of feel the call and loosen the call up. Once your cork gets wet, it's going to blow even better from whenever you just first off, you know, blow into a call. So, I mean... You know, a good rule of thumb is, is if first thing when you're starting to hunt in the morning, you know, take your cork out. You know, you don't always have to do this, but take your cork out if it's dried out or whatnot and just put it in your mouth. Don't try to chew on it or anything. Just put it in your mouth and get some moisture on it and then put it back in. What that's going to do is, is that's going to take that reed and get that reed back with a little bit of moisture underneath there. Because these calls run the best when you have moisture underneath them because of the spit grooves. So, um that's kind of how you'd pinch it off exactly what you said is you would sit there and you would you would just pinch your notes off with your throat completely with your throat um as far as that first sight of the ducks um first off would you use this call in flooded timber as your a timber call absolutely okay so first sight of mallard ducks a mile high in the timber can you break ducks with this Live seven duck? or eight good callers yes Seven or eight one, good callers on caller? this call. No. One caller on a mega four, could you? Yeah. Because it's barking. It's all. I just did well, a podcast you, with Bobby Hines. You can get into we, a cadence on the mega four. You can get into a cadence. And just stay on top of it. This one's more of a. It's a. It's a hunting style hail ringing hail. It's not a a main street ringing hail, but it has like a ring to it. It's a different tone altogether. And so a megaphore has got that wider tone, but it has that a little bit of high pitch in, in it too. So the live duck, you can break ducks all day long with it if you have seven or eight guys that are just blowing the hell out of it. But if you're if you're just taking a straight up megaphore and you're wanting to hunt by yourself, yeah, you can break ducks. I've done it before, break ducks just by myself or maybe with another one other guy. Um, but the live duck, the good thing about it is, is there's so many different ducks in it. You know, you can get that good comeback. Unlike a megaphore, it's more of just a very aggressive, constant aggressive call. When when you name it the live duck, is this exactly what you're trying to get across to the, the end consumer, or the potential user is like, look, you're going to, it sounds like live ducks. Like that's the goal of every duck call, but why is this one so special that Chris Cifrio coins it the live duck? I wanted to call that was just straight finesse. 
on a day that it's cold, still, you know, um, cloudy, I want to call that you can just get all the different ducks out of it. You know, a fine hen, a coarse hen, a raspy hen, a boss hen. You can do that on a mega four if you're really proficient on a duck call, but you can't get it nearly as defined as you can on a live duck. Um, you can't do it on a chit chat as you can on a live duck. A live duck just has every single, I mean, pretty much you can get about seven to 10 ducks out of it, different sounds, because you got to find the course, the raspy, the boss, you can get in between those. You can kind of change them up, put a little more rasp in them, put a little squeak in them. Uh, so the live duck, when I was naming it, I was looking for basically what it, what can this does define this call to the to the exact how I would think that it would be need to be defined. And that's why I call it the live duck, because it is. I mean, you can get every single note. Same thing on feed call. You can get a real, real deep feed. You can get a high pitch feed. You can get a rattle feed out of it. Just all depends how you present your air with your throat. So um, exhaust has a lot to do with this call completely. I've tried some different exhausts on that different particular tone board. And the more you open that exhaust up, the more you just get noise and a lot of aggressiveness. I didn't want it to be just extreme aggressive. <laughs> I wanted to have that to where you can get that hunting style hill on the top, but on the bottom end, still get that that good boss hand. And that you have to have your exhaust aligned a certain way in order to get that boss hand on the bottom end. You know, it's um, very hard to do a boss hand on a Meg 4. I'm very surprised. I'm not very surprised, but I'm surprised to hear that this would be your go-to call out of every call you've designed, especially with the new Mega 4. The Mega 4, I guess, has its place. It's a special call. All these calls are special. It's the way that I would describe this as being, and I'm a pretty experienced duck hunter and, and duck caller, uh, duck call operator. I'm nowhere near like top shelf or top end, or I'd be right in the middle if I'm standing in the trees with a bunch of Arkansas duck hunters. But this live duck from Jargon is fun to blow. Like it's yeah. fun to operate. I don't. I hate saying blow. I don't know if you really blow a duck call. I guess you kind of emulate blowing, but it's fun. Like it makes it so much fun because of the reaction. And when you get your air right, you you start to get on a, a high, a natural high of adrenaline, because you start to hear all those different hen mallards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's exactly. I mean exactly. I was gonna say the exact thing. I love blowing this call. To pick up a call out of, out of any call in the shop, if I'm going to blow one call just in the shop, it's going to be a live duck. And when I tune them, I love tuning them. You know, we tuned a ton of them for Realtree, and I went through those calls. They're easy to tune. They're very forgiving, uh, per se, if you know how to run a call. Um, but they're just super fun to blow because there's so many different ducks you can get out of it. And I'll be blowing them while I'm tuning calls, and I'll do one thing, and then I'll jump over to another thing and I'll start doing maybe a fine hen the whole time when I'm tuning them. But there's three things that I check completely whenever I do tune them in, and that is the feed call. I make sure it has good back pressure. I blow into the call, make sure it wants to lock, and then I hit a hunting style hill. And if, if that hits everything and it's not locking up or anything, I won't go back to the sanding. But all J-frames that come out of the shop are sanded on. 
Mega 4 is not saying it on at all. But the J-frames, in order to open that call up and to get that that voice out of it, you have to you have to sand on them. And you got to know where to sand at because if you sand too much, you can ruin that call in a heartbeat. So if you're listening out there and you do have the live duck, don't sand it. Call Chris. Don't think that you can take it. I mean, an experienced guy or girl that knows what they're doing, I guess, could. But I've done that before where I thought that I was a duck call wizard and you completely sand the duck out of it. So you mentioned Realtree. You tuned a bunch of these for Realtree, and that's what we're talking about today on the Foul Eye Podcast. Today's episode of the Foul Eye Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Rigid Industries. I know that you guys like to see in the dark. I know how important it is. We depend on Rigid. Own the night. Everything looks different in the dark, especially as a duck hunter. You follow, you pull into a field to set up your decoys that you scouted the night before, and you think that you're the same amount, uh, uh, the same distance from the fence, and then the sun comes up, and you're like, oh, gosh. We're right up against that tree line because the shadows and the moon shining on those trees, it looks totally different than when the sun comes up and hits the earth. And it's just a necessity to have good lighting. We have them on our trailers, our UTVs, ATVs, our boats, our trucks, our bumpers, rear and front. Uh, we depend on rigid. They support our culture. I keep saying it. I keep conf- I keep just bringing it. Like I, I want you guys to understand, you girls understand, we got to support the companies that support our lifestyle. Plain and simple. We don't have time anymore to support companies that don't support the NRA, the Second Amendment, our, our right to defend our communities and our family, our gun rights, our right to own guns, and our right to hunt, fish. It's not just a privilege like I've talked about before. My good friend, like I've mentioned, is Ted Nugent, and he's educated me. It's a right to kill animals that God put on this earth to feed our family and friends. Ethically, have compassion for the animals we pursue. And that's what hunters are, where the ultimate conservation is. So I want to support companies that support that ideology and that lifestyle. And that's exactly what Rigid Industries does. Today's episode of the Fallout Podcast, obviously, is brought to you by our good friends at Realtree. Friends, family, in the outdoors, Mr. Bill Jordan. You're going to see him and his son, Tyler, on an upcoming episode of the Fallout Life, where we break down the new camo pattern that they're getting ready to launch. We're going to be in Little Rock, Arkansas in July at the Delta Waterfowl National Convention. While myself will be speaking, Chris will be on stage with me talking duck calling. We'll have several great speakers there, including Justin Martin from Duck Dynasty and Duck Commander, plus several other great duck hunters and great duck callers from Team Realtree, Goose Hunters. But we're going to be launching Max 7. It started with Max 4. Back in the early 2000s, then it moved into Max 5. We were a part of both of those launches, and now we're honored and humbled to be part of the launch of Max 7. And that's what you're going to be seeing. July 30th, the weekend, Little Rock, Arkansas, right up just a little bit from the Grand Prairie. It's about 45 minutes to get into duck country once you land at the airport in Little Rock. Again, we're going to be there the weekend of July 30th at the Delta Waterfowl National Convention, launching Max 7 with Realtree. We got some surprises coming up. You're going to hear this week and next week. We're going to have some awesome musical guests in our booth singing, some big names. You're not going to want to miss it. Great seminar speakers, like I mentioned before. Tons of booths, tons of manufacturers. Get there, support these companies that are in our culture. Thank you, Realtree, for this opportunity to be part of the launch of Max 7. And today's episode of the Fallout Podcast is brought to you by none other than Jargon. JargonGameCalls.com. Do you know what jargon means? It's the specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people. Doctors, surgeons, military, fighter pilots, pilots in commercial planes. If you've ever sat in a cockpit and listened to a pilot talk to air traffic control, you won't understand a word they're saying, he or she. It blows my mind when I have the headphones on, but they know exactly who they're talking about. The weather, the wind, the approach, the, the low ceiling, the high ceiling, the, whatever it is. They got code words, and that's jargon. We talk so many different levels of jargon as a duck hunter. We've talked about it before, but we talk that main one 
to the wild duck. And that's why we named the call company Jargon. The calls that we have from all of the originals and the icebreaker and the loudmouth and the small talk and the chit chat to the new ones like the live duck and the paradox, the mega four. Am I missing some, Chris? Am I missing some in there? I know that I haven't meant I know that I haven't mentioned the goose calls yet, but we just introduced our goose calls, the wrecking ball and the crazy train that we brought back from our original portfolio in the banded calls days. They are unbelievable short read Canada goose calls. And now we have our turkey calls, an entire selection of box calls and slate calls, glass and slate, you know, your pot calls. Then we also have an awesome portfolio and selection and offering of mouth diaphragm calls. So check them out, jargongamecalls.com. But the reason I'm saying this is that Jargon teamed up with Realtree because our good friend Andrew Murray and all of the fine folks down in Georgia at Realtree Farms and Realtree headquarters came to us and they teamed up with an artist named Casey Underwood. You can find Casey's work on Instagram at CP. C is in Charlie, P is in Paul Underwood, U-N-D-E-R-W-O-O-D, C-P Underwood on Instagram, fishing wildlife ducks well anyway he gets this print that he's working on with realtree <clears throat> this piece of art of ducks with the sunrise and toolies and the marsh and duck heads and just awesome awesome detail and they came to us and said we want to put this on a call do you think jargon would be interested so i got with our guest today my partner and good friend chris cifrio he's up in northeast arkansas at our headquarters around searcy and lo and behold chris says like he always does we can do it so he goes to work and he says, I want to use the live duck on this call. It's going to make people go crazy. He starts messing with the engravers. We get it down. It took a couple of weeks, but we finally got down because this is a complex design in Casey Underwood's artwork. You mix that with the Realtree Max 7 logo on there with the horns that are so familiar to duck hunters, deer hunters, turkey hunters, predator hunters, big game hunters, squirrel hunters across the country. The Realtree horns, Max 7 with the Jargon J in the box. And I'm holding it up for all you YouTube viewers right now. You can see it at Realtree.com. It's going to be available soon. But it's an amazing looking duck call. It's an amazing product with the Max 7. And then just the affiliation for Jargon to be teamed up with Realtree. And you heard Chris Cifrio mention, I'm going to let him talk now. This call is beautiful, right? Chris, look at this duck call that you've helped design. It's all of your magic. And then you could take it a step further and be able to master that engraving. And it's one of the prettiest duck calls I've ever seen as far as a, a mass-produced, single-read, Arkansas J-frame style duck call. And then when you put it to your mouth, I'm going to take off my headphones, Chris. I know you're going to tease me and start laughing, but hold on a second. to me chris does it sound anything like ducks or was that cutting out no it's, it sounds good i can hear it completely you it like it awesome yeah this it's, call uh, is so fun to blow i'm gonna let you talk now chris this is your show from here on out i talked enough casey underwood real tree jargon game calls the live duck 
Max 7 launch, 2022-23 duck season, July 30th week in Little Rock, Arkansas, Delta Waterfowl National Convention, Team Realtree, Bandit will be there with us, Realtree and Jargon and the Fowl Life. Come and see us and get one of these calls. They're beautiful and they're so ducky. Chris, take it away. What about this call? Yeah, we're, for, we're first off, we're just extremely, you know, um, blessed to have had Realtree ask us to to be able to make this call for them for the, the launch of the launch of Realtree Max Seven. Um, when they came to us, they again they asked us what call would you put it with, what barrel would you put it with, all the design and everything else. And I mean, it was a no brainer for me to to use a live duck on it just because the live duck is, in my opinion, is our flagship call. Mega Four is becoming but the live duck we've sold a ton of them and it's just a call that it's universal most everybody is going to want to blow you know a finesse call uh everybody can is it's user friendly so everybody can, you know can run this call um per se of course the the more proficient you are in a duck call the better you are going to be able to run this call and the more ducks different ducks you're going to be able to get out of it but it's just an awesome, awesome tone board. We built this tone board probably about seven, eight years ago. Uh, have made some tweaks on it. Uh, made some more tweaks this year as far as on it. Always constantly making tweaks, trying to make things better and better and better. Uh, but it's just a, a clean call. Really just, you know, not a simple design by no means. But it's just very uh, simplistic, I guess you could say. Uh, and it just looks awesome. I mean, he did a fantastic job on designing this thing. And of course, I mean, all we did was put the put the uh, the engraving as far as on it and the final touches on it. Everything comes back to the, the artist as far as on, you know, the design of it. But it's just a unbelievable call. We're, we're humbled for them to have asked us to, uh, to do this for Realtree Max 7. Um, you mentioned the artist, and I don't want to... you. You mentioned the artist, and I don't want to sell this guy short because I'm literally, I'm sitting here right now. You can see I'm looking right now. I don't know if you have a gadget on you, Chris, but yeah. CP Underwood on Instagram, go on there and look at these turkeys and these trout. I'm talking like every bird, these quail, these grouse, these dogs. This dude is the real deal. And um, pheasant chocolate lab bighorn sheep skull like a dead mount i mean like it's really really legit art i'm really fired up that this guy is on a jargon call and casey underwood has just got it going on and um i think that with your opening sediments there that we truly are honored to be part of it excuse me chris cifrio this is a big deal bro to, to, to have a company like Jargon have, you know, trust in us and faith in us that we could pull this off and to see our dedication and passion to the project, um, we got on it early, we got on it, and we I think it got mastered. I really feel like when I see this call up on my mantle, because I do have one of the originals, the original five that you shipped Realtree, they brought me one on a hunt last year when we did a, a, a California hunt that you'll see on an upcoming episode of season 14 of Benelli's The Foul Life. Chris, the new season's on Outdoor Channel right now, and people are loving it. It's been awesome so far. But we're in California with Rocky Merlot and California Waterfowl Association, and Andrew Murray came out there. And hard to believe we're trying to launch a camo pattern, and it's 
like literally dark outside during the day. It's so overcast and foggy and you're just like, oh, we need sunshine. We need shadows. We need to show how special this is. But we didn't cry. It already we already had it scheduled. Andrew's got his family. He lives in Georgia. He's coming across the country. He's got other trips that he's doing content grabs for the Max 7 launch. So he said, let's do it. So we got it done. We got some great photo shots done. We got a lot of good work done. But man, at one point, we're launching Max 7, but we're putting white Tyvek suits on like painters and getting in snow goose decoys because we want to hunt. We're hunters. Yeah. And, 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 and so is Andrew Murray and his team. They're like, we're going hunting. We weren't going to let the weather conditions, you know, defer, deter us. But... Um, that new that call that he brought me sits on my mantle. This is the new one you just sent me. You gave me a little surprise the other day when you sent me some goose calls to tune. And I'm putting this on my lanyard. Like, this is a hunter. <laughs> um, I love the Mega 4. I love all of our calls. I even like, it's weird for me to say this, but I really like the icebreaker. I would, I'm not a hunter of a double read, but like, if you're demonstrating it, man, you could really, really get people's attention. They're like, really? That's a double read? And if you're yeah. starting off, I always tell people, man, get a single read. You're going to end up advancing to that someday, so don't develop. There's going to be habits you develop on a double read, in my opinion, which we'll get into that on a future podcast here with Jargon and Chris Cifrio. But, you know, I, I'm sure you feel the same, but I love the icebreaker. I love all of these calls, but this call that you've designed and the way that Casey Underwood's artwork looks on it and just knowing all the conversations and the meetings and the ideas and the, the forecasting and the visionary that came, the vision that came with this through visionaries like Andrew Murray and the team at Realtree. When I look at it, I'm telling you, man, I get giddy. I also like the feel of it. This engraving Mm -hmm. that you've done on this insert is it's got a cool, this call is just awesome to operate. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, but when you said that at the beginning, that it's an honor to be with Realtree, I don't take that kind of stuff for granted. I really don't because Realtree could talk to any call company in the country and that call company would be interested, right? And they came to Absolutely. us. I think that's pretty neat, right? No, I agree. I mean, I can go back to whenever I was growing up and I first started hunting. Realtree is the name. You go to the store, you go to Walmart, you go to any place, you walk in, which, I mean, it's everything's grown so crazy now that, I mean, there's so many different outfitters and everything else that you can walk into. But I mean, when we were young, Walmart was the place, I mean, for, for us to get gear or just go in and I would always run to over there to look at the hunting section, look at the new, new things that they had scents or grunt calls or duck calls, whatever they had. And, uh, you know, you always saw real tree there and to know now that when I'm 41 years old, that we got, I got to work with Realtree on an actual call. I mean, it's mind blowing. It is, you know, it's like, man, you know, it's just like all the guys, Will Primos and all the guys that you grew up watching. And then you see them or you go, I don't get starstruck at all, but I respect these guys. Cause I know how hard and how much time it takes, you know, in order to, to, to get to that level. It's just, it's unbelievable, you know? And so I just respect them and I respect Realtree because I mean, Bill Jordan has designed some unbelievable patterns. I mean, that Realtree timber that we use, you were talking about, you always want a bright bluebird day and for, you know, and that's for camera, of course. But in my opinion, in order to really see if a camouflage is effective, go hunt in the clouds. Yep. 
that's when it shows up. And we've done that a bunch of times on prayer wings and in the flooded timber and the public timber and so forth. And, and it does. It's unbelievable how good it blends. There's just the perfect amount of white. In my opinion, uh, timber has to have little pieces of white in it in order for it to be good camouflage. And they nailed it. It's, I mean, I don't know how they get it any better if they ever come out with a new one. But the Realtree Max 7, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's catered to more of universal, right? More of field and marsh and, you know, you can hunt it in the timber, of course, but that's kind of what it was catered to, right? I wouldn't, um, wear, I wouldn't wear Max 7 in the timber. I mean, I'm not saying you ain't going to kill them on a bluebird day, which you yeah. could probably wear a pink jumpsuit in there. Like I've seen you yeah. wear pink jumpsuits in the timber before. Oh, but wow. when it's sunny, you don't need a whole lot to hide from a duck uh, as no. long as you play the shadows, right? They're coming. But, yeah, this, this Max 7 is meant for, you know, whether it's different habitats in a, in a, in a marsh-style condition, on the edges of rivers when you get those yellow grasses and that green mixed together with that mud. You know, there's a lot of cool mud colors in this new Max 7 pattern. It's got some of the timber. If you look really close, it's got a little bit of reminisce of timber in there, a little bit of the real tree timber pattern. And I agree wholeheartedly. That timber pattern is so tough to beat. Um, I don't know if they should ever even mess with it and say, oh, we, we're introducing a new no. timber pattern now. They nailed it with the original one. Um, I remember at SHOT Show three, four years ago when Bill Jordan and Tyler and Andrew showed me the original timber and all the working slates, you know, all their different work boards and everything on it. And I was like, man, I even tried to talk Mr. Bill Jordan into calling it the woods. I was, instead of timber, let's call it the woods, you know. And, and, and people like get that. Bill's not really a duck hunter, but he was he, he's got too many other – camo patterns you know with the name woods in it so anyway it came out as timber it works perfect in the timber and again you talk about a universal turkey killing pattern duck killing pattern deer killing pattern that timber will kill animals year round you know what i mean absolutely and i think the reason why is because when you go into timber everything's dark just dark and there's a lot of black a lot of shadows and of course like i said that white those white little specks just a hint of white. I mean, if you see an oak tree in a timber, um, they're gonna have it's gonna have white little circles on that oak tree all over the place. Um, not crazy amount, but just en just enough. And you know, like I said, I've used uh, back in the day all kinds of different camouflages. But um, heck, the the original real tree was an awesome camouflage. It still is to this day. Um, what was that one? The real tree. Uh, original. 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 The tree bark. It's still a great pattern. But, you know, technology advances and, you know, camouflage has advanced and motors and duck calls and everything else. And then, I mean, it just, it's, uh, it's changed so much. Everything, it's not just one consistent pattern. You can't really, it's not a consistent camo. It's, it's all over the place. And that's what makes it so good is that it is not really a pattern to it. So I'm going to um, I'm going to tell kind of a story that you're referring to that old pattern and I, I'm going to get checked on this. I'm going to have to get fact checked on this by the real tree guys. But five, six years ago, Tyler Jordan and Andrew came to Arkansas with us to Prairie Wings and we were going to revamp the original pattern the real tree original we had all new banded waders and jackets printed in i still have all the pieces i'm keeping them forever i'm not going to lose them um so we do we got photography there we got video there we got brad errington from mossy pond with a dog there we're doing it up right 
And I think the story goes that when all the assets got turned in and they were beautiful, boating pictures, shooting, sending a dog, hunting up against trees. I, I think Mr. Bill said, nope, ain't it ain't good enough. So my point is, is like, he looks at it and he's like, that's not good enough for me now. Cause of what you said, you know, things have changed technology, the, the, the way that you can digitize things and, and develop a great pattern like Realtree does with its, with its branches and its leaves and its mud and whatever it is in these patterns. Um, he goes, we can do something better. And I think that that was kind of like the beginning stages of his mindset and his vision for the timber pattern was when he saw all that stuff we created with the original timber pattern, all of, none of that's are not the original timber, the original pattern. None of that ever got used. I still have all of it. I could send you pictures of us, all of us in the trees with it. And they, they never used any of it because I think they started working on the timber pattern because Bill was not happy with what the original was looking in the, how it was looking in the timber, the flooded timber of Arkansas. I'm going to check that when they hear this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to personally send this to Tyler and his dad and everybody and say, Hey, will you please listen to this? And if I'm wrong, I'll go back and, and eat my words and tell the right story. But I think it had something to do with him thinking that he could do better than the original for like a duck hunting flooded timber looking pattern. And and I might be wrong on this, but I think that the original timber pattern was specifically for timber duck hunters in places like the Mississippi Delta, or the Arkansas Grand Prairie and stuff like that, where flooded timber and green timber is so prevalent. But then I think it turned into like, man, we can use this in turkey woods. We could use this in the deer woods, whatever, right? I, I'm going to get checked on all that. But I think that that original pattern was not good enough for Bill four or five years ago to be his go-to timber duck hunting pattern. Yeah, and I, I think you're talking about hitting on a little bit on turkey. I believe back in the day too, more camouflage was was designed from what I remember around turkey hunting more than it was duck hunting or deer hunting. Yeah, we had a lot of deer hunting, you know, camouflage that was designed and so forth, but you know, a lot of people were wearing orange, you know, back in the day, a lot of orange, and we still do that today, of course, to gun hunting, but most people are all bow hunting. Everybody's into bow hunting. So we wear strictly camo when we're bow hunting. But um, a turkey, if you can get past the turkey, if you can get a camouflage that's going to convince the turkey to come on in within five, 10 yards, you've done something. And so I just remember a lot of branding going on with Realtree Original with turkey hunting. Every time I saw a commercial, it was like kind of like a turkey hunting commercial because uh, they can see so good. They depend on their eyesight 100%, basically. Um, that's why when it's windy, of course, turkeys are always out in the field. You know, a lot of people wonder why you see turkeys out in the field. It's a windy day. You'd think they'd be in the woods, but I think their eyesight, you know, everything's moving in the, t in the woods. They have to jump out there in the field because it's kind of mind-blowing to them that everything's moving and I guess they get too skittish and they get out feel. But um, that being said, yeah, I mean, what they've done is just, it's mind blowing. There's not a camouflage in a market, in my opinion, that even comes close uh, to the timber. Everybody's jumping on it. Um, even the boats, I mean, people are painting the boats now, camouflage, real tree timber. And uh, it's, it's making a difference. And I mean, that's a, Especially when you're hunting in the timber, boats make a difference, believe it or not. You know, a lot of people say, oh, just go throw a boat over there, get it about 100 yards from us, and we're good to go. But you fly a drone over the top of that place and look, and you'll see where people didn't put a, a blind bag over the motor or, you know, a decoy bag over the motor or some kind of, you know, um, uh, 
camouflage over any any part of the boat and it sticks out like a sore thumb big time and the other part of the, the this fascination with camo is that it kind of gets stuck in transition sometime because of well, it looks good to the hunter when it's on the shelf, right? Like you get a camouflage right. bag and they're like giddy about it. But man, if you really break down the science of camouflage and how Bill Jordan and his crew at Realtree have mastered it since 1986, bro, could you imagine counting the number of animals that have been harvested that have uh, an elk at eight feet? I mean, coming to a cow call, bugling his head off with Waddell waiting for him, white tails coming to a guy or a girl. I mean, Lee and Tiffany used to be, wear real tree all the time. I know they don't eat more, but they kill a lot of big deer in real tree. And the monster buck videos of T-Bone and Jeff yeah. Foxworthy and Earnhardt and Mr. Bill and Tyler and Nick Mont and Michael Waddell. And I mean, I could go on and on with the people that are part of this legacy of real tree camo. I mean, think about it. It's, it's pretty incredible what they've done. And then all of a sudden you start seeing it on, bikes and skateboards and motorcycles and cell phone covers and this and that and fascination with camouflage hunting is cool yeah hunting is deep the roots are deep and that's why it's so neat to have this call i mean this 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 podcast episode is dedicated to this live duck casey underwood real tree jargon duck call to launch max seven and it's not a hard sell i'm talking so passionately about him because when i see it i get giddy like my daughter's like, Dad, you gotta stop. This is getting <laughs> ridiculous. You just you're for, in your forties and you keep blowing this duck call in the house. Haven't you done it enough? And she loves duck calling. But like I'm giddy about this call. When I pick it up and look at this, like look at this call I'm holding up right here. Like this is a sick, sick call. What color is this? Neon green? Yeah. Can when you see send, that good? When did I send you that one? Oh, don't start acting like you need it back. Don't even start acting <laughs> like it. I got a little prize pack. I need some more Megaforce. Dude, I this gave is the Megaforce. I gave you a Megaforce at the NWTF show this year. Where's that one at? You, I have them. You sent me some Megaforce this year, though. A couple different colors. I asked for a nice little yeah. uh, you know, gift bag. And this yeah. neon green one, there's a blue one in there. There's like a, a, an off-brand, an off-weird, uh, um, I guess it would be kind of like a, a rock-looking um acrylic but there was a lot of cool acrylics there's a lot of cool acrylic available on the market now but this this is a sick call this mega four dude i cannot yeah. wait to podcast about this live this year from the field if you want to leave arkansas and come hunt ducks until they get to arkansas i'm coming to arkansas i got to get you those dates um i'm i'm coming for sure and hopefully mother nature and cooperates so we don't get hammered with rain Flooded no. timber is not good in the rain and lightning. Let's just be honest. No duck hunting. It has this. been dry, dry. We got a little storm yesterday. It totally bypassed where I live at, went around us, but it's dry. Trees are sucking up all the the moisture and the grass and grass not, is turning look, brown. What, it's starting to look like wintertime around there. That's not good. No. Well, you know, historically, when we've had it this dry for this long, when December comes, it might not rain throughout November, but when December comes, that second split hits, it's usually on. I hate to say it, but I'd rather ducks get here later than early. Historically, we've always had better years when the rain gets here a little bit later and, and that new timber, that new water comes about. That's when the ducks really hit it hard. When they sit here for a while and they kind of know all the ropes and we've had water 
and you know beginning October going all the way to the end uh, I just find that they've hit pretty much every place and of course we got to get them pushes of birds and uh, if we don't get them man it's tough really tough but I mean we set we've set records this year and those records date, date back as far as the heat global warming what people talk about I think the record the other day got in Little Rock it got over 100 degrees and uh, it hadn't happened since I think it was 1938 was the last time that I got over like 101, 102, something like that in Little Rock. So, you know, all that global warmer crap, I just think, you know, we're in cycles. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm hoping this year's one of those years. You know, you can't have it every year. You can't have the best duck season you can possibly have every year. I wish we could, but historically, you know, we're hunting flooded timber and uh, certain years they just hit it better. So keep my fingers crossed. This is this is the year. I hope it is too. I freaking love hunting the timber. I love hunting ducks, but there's something magnificent about being in the trees. I don't know what my favorite is. Probably five years ago, I'd say that timber is the ticket, but we're blessed to get to do what we get to do and all, all of the conditions or all of the different habitats and areas and locations that we've got to hunt them in. It's neat getting them over a cattle pond in Saskatchewan. Hunting ducks over water in Canada, amazing. Alberta, amazing. Um, rivers and oxbows, getting them on the big Mississippi or the Missouri when they got that big wide river and you can get them into certain locations yeah. of the skinny water, or the slow water. Like That's neat because you get to see them coming from so far away. Then they start working over the treetops around you on the bank behind you and they get out in front of you in the river and you cut them and they come i mean that's neat you know and then you get dry field corn is powerful it's not my favorite but to do it a couple times a year and get that adrenaline popping with those mojos going ground blinds or a or a, or a panel blind on the edge that's neat right and then you get in a natural habitat like the butte sink of california and you're in that buck brush and you're shadowed up in a little tule seat you know and a up against a tree or some buck brush and you got eight decoys out there with a jerk rig and those mallards come off of the rice and just and they take forever to work in there. They're looking for you, you know, there's because there's just there's just so much dirtiness of of the butte sink. So that's different, but it's really cool, you know. Like I love puddle ducks. I would take mallards every single day of duck season if I Maybe. could. Every day yeah. I would take mallard ducks. I love sprig, they're beautiful. I love widgeon, they're beautiful. You know, there's a lot of hunters that are going for that 49 or whatever, killing their duck in all 49 states that have a duck hunting season. I think it's called the 49. That might be the turkey one. The ducks might be all 50. I don't know about Hawaii. Um, but mallards are the best. There's nothing like calling mallard ducks. There's just not nothing like it if you're a duck caller, in my opinion. And this no, live duck... Just... Go ahead. It's the response. I mean, that's the main thing is, is you're actually, you're, you're talking to them. You're speaking their, their tone. You're speaking their language. I mean, it's, that's what, don't get me wrong. I mean, all, all ducks will respond. Most all ducks will respond to a mallard call, but it's just something about when you hit that high note, wah, 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 and you hear that hinge nail off. Wah, 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 wah. When you know the, those ducks are in a feeding frenzy and they're basically really really active when you start hearing hens up in the air calling back to you that's when it gets exciting um i don't know i'm the same way if i'm gonna pick or choose and and i haven't done a lot of canada goose hunting i've done a, a fair amount of speckability hunting and specs are awesome to shoot 
um, and unbelievable to eat. Love uh, eating speckabelly, but if I'm going to go after one, it's going to be the mallard duck. You know, when yep. I pick up a mallard, I shoot a wood duck, I pick up a wood duck and walk to the blind, and everybody, uh, you know, you shoot a mallard, you're like, dang, that thing's beautiful, man. Look how big that one is, you know. Or, yeah. It's just, there's nothing like it. And just the way they respond, wood ducks don't respond to a call. I mean, you could do no. the whistle that Phil Robertson used to do, and they go out there and they might turn, but I don't know, man. Like, you can be, I'm all about intimacy. And... <laughs> I am. Like, I want to be intimate with mallards. I'm not talking about my personal life, Chris. Well, yeah, maybe. I know. But I had to. But there's, it's to crazy to there. me. There's, it's crazy to me. Like, I was in, in South Carolina with Jim Shockey, and we were, we were busting each other's you-know-whats, and he don't even care to see a mallard duck. Like, he loves them. He respects them. But, man, like, it's crazy the fascination with a moose. And I'm like bullwinkle like this big goofy thing on these skinny legs come and then, then they hear me say that and they're like are you crazy it's up there and in, in, in the you know in the in the yukon and you you just see their big paddles and they're walking through and that thing could kill you with one swipe of his head and i'm like they're dumber than a bucket of wet feathers and they and they i don't get it like i don't have that fascination like i'll see a big mule deer i live in giant mule deer country and i know that there's a huge fascination with killing a 200 inch mule deer right and i've seen a lot of that's a lie. I've seen some 200-inch mule deer on the hoof. I've seen quite a few dead. Um, it could be two. There could be a 210-inch mule deer right there on the side hill with a 400-inch bull elk here in Nevada because we got a lot of 380, 400-inch, 440-inch bull elk here. And maybe driving towards that deal, and I'm in the back of the truck, and they're getting up there to get their stock ready. And if one mallard duck pitched into the woods 100 yards on the left side of the road, I'd jump out of that truck and go to that mallard duck. It's, that's a crazy feeling what ducks do to you. A yeah. little tiny duck that we fed at city parks when we were kids. And have, have you ever seen the videos that Bobby Heim has of his place where he hunts? Uh-uh. Got, oh, yeah, yeah, you, I have. I have. Unbelievable. You talking about the uh, raised birds? Yeah. Yeah. Look at this video he sent me from the other day. I'm sending it to you right now. Is he driving with a truck by it? Yeah. Oh, you've seen it. Yeah. Well, I sent it to you again. Dude, it's... Yeah, that's what's... I play. think the main thing, the main reason why you're so fascinated about them, and I am too, is that they're wild. You can't control them. They're, they're here today. They're going tomorrow. They show up overnight. They're just... You can't constrict them. I mean, you can't make them do every day, day in and day out, what you want them to do. Sometimes you get lucky. You do everything you possibly can to, to make sure that you're gonna, you know, have the best, most successful hunt. But, and some days they just fool you. Some days they just, they won't do it. Um, we have the best calls in the market, best camouflage, best everything. You know, and you, you always pick on me because when we're in the timber, I always feel like, there's a reason why they're not doing it and there's something I can do different to make them do it, to make them commit, to make them come in the decoys. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, there's truth to be told about that. There's a lot of times there is, I mean, good duck hunters can go in the timber and they can make a little change here and there, but I always find that, you know, s some days they just, like you said, they just, they're not going to do it. And it's, it, it's a mind boggling. Maybe they're, they're not hungry. Maybe they're just, you know, they're just kind of loafing around and they're like, well, this, this hole over here is just as good as this hole. 
So why not go to this one where there's no racket? Every time I've went in there and I've heard some racket, I've got shot at. So let me go to this quiet hole over here. Because, I mean, they'll do that random crap all the time. Yep. And that's what is so neat about it. When you say here today, gone tomorrow. Um, I just don't know if there's anything. I don't know if there's anything as cool as it. I just, I don't know, like, the all-encompassing lifestyle, the camps, the scouting, the camaraderie, the shit, the, just the smack talking in the blind, like, the smiles, the high fives. I get it, like going up to 10,000 feet and getting a stone sheep and, and, and that exhilaration and that, that accomplishment with one pull of the trigger, it's over. But it's, it's the fascination with the animal and where they live and how tough they are and, you know, how their survival skills and you're on a wall tent for 12, 15 days and you're eating these hot, hot water meals. By the way, Peak Refuel just launched the new Chad Mendez series of his. They're awesome. Grab them. He's got new. He's even got a dessert one in there this year. But try them out. Peak Refuel, the Chad Mendez series. What's up, my brother Chad Mendez? Money Mendez. But I've done it and it just doesn't do it for me. But it does it for enough people to where they stay out of the duck woods. And that's cool because it's not yeah. as crowded. And that's what's cool about hunting. I don't get nearly as fired up as most people do for turkeys. Now, I love being in turkey camp, and I like the idea of being in spring. I don't like jiggers, and I don't like, I don't like, uh, what do you call them? Snakes. And I don't like ticks, and I don't, it's so hot in Tennessee this year when we were hunting turkeys. I'm like, God, this is terrible. And I I don't even like hunting turkeys off the roost at dark. I like getting them at 10 a.m., just like mallards. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, but every single different piece of the puzzle in duck hunting and waterfowl hunting and i'm not saying that whitetail hunting doesn't have all those pieces of the puzzle or or pig hunting or predator hunting okay but man you get duck hunting in your blood it's it's over for all those other ones you can't be a you can't be a a half-asser in duck hunting you just can't do it now i'm not saying you can't be go a couple times a year and enjoy it but man if you're really going to get into it and you want to master it i could get a 270 rifle and get pretty proficient with a scope on it and go kill a mule deer every year or go kill a whitetail every year, depending on where it's legal. Get them in my sights. There's a 140. Bam. Dead backstraps. Love eating it. Like whitetail way more. I like alfalfa alfalfa fed mule deer more than sage mule deer. But it's over. Duck hunting. You can't that's, just that's go pick the... you can't just go pick up a shotgun and go out there and be like, oh, I'm gonna go get dinner. No, you're not gonna get consistently good at it unless you put everything into it. And I've seen the best of the best where you think they're a crack shot, you go out there. And, you know, they'll miss a mallard in a heartbeat. I've missed them. You've missed them. You know, don't get me wrong. You can miss with a rifle. But I feel like you're steadying. You really get to concentrate. You're like, okay, I'm fixing to make this shot. That's what's so cool about, you know, duck hunting in general is, is that you're making multiple shots in the morning. You're actually, in my opinion, you're using your shotgun. Think about a rifle. You might shoot that rifle in a lifetime. You know, not including target practicing, but you might shoot that thing 20 times in a lifetime, maybe 30 times in a lifetime at an animal. And a shotgun, man, it just brutal what they take, you know, just constant cycle through it. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you shouldn't go out to the blind and just take two boxes of shells and just, you know, just start slinging uh, unresponsibly at ducks that are 40, 50 yards up in the air by no means. But... You're shooting when you once you kill your limit, 
how it is for me. If I could shoot them and let them go back up in the air, just look at them, I don't have to even take a picture because I can care less about a picture. But if I could just look at them, say, oh, I accomplished that, and let them go back up in the air and, and, and go on, I'm fine with that. I love eating them, don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's nobody on this planet Earth needs to kill, you know, they're not going to eat 60 days worth of ducks, you know. Um, that's why we all share. We go to duck camp, we start, you know, cooking and, and cutting them all up, and everybody basically eats that night trying to distribute and, and eat, eat what you, uh, you've harvested. But that being said, I just love the fact of convincing them into the decoys, pulling the trigger, uh, and pulling the trigger multiple times. You know, that's why I've always said, I've always couldn't understand why people would buy a rifle and they're like, I got seven, eight different rifles. I'd rather have seven or eight different shotguns and seven or eight different rifles. I mean, Benelli's got the new 28 gauge out. They got the 20 gauge. All those are proficient guns now. I mean, back in the day, you would have never thought that somebody would go home with a 410. Uh, I know they've had places that they do it, uh, but now, I mean, it's you see it all the time. I think it's because of the challenge. I mean, duck hunters love a challenge, you know. So as long as as long as you keep the ethics involved. Right. There's certain animals on earth that aren't meant to be killed for 10. I've seen guys like John Shaw that headshot them. But I know that if you hunt with a 410, you better be proficient with it. You better know the patterning in your choke tubes and your constriction and your entire you shooting get them in system. Because it's not as powerful as a 12-gauge. Now there's a lot more BBs, and it can it has a lot of knockdown power. They're killing big turkeys at 40 yards with 410s now at the TSS. That, you know, technology has evolved, and it's we're living in the glory days, the golden days of hunting. Our clothing our technology, our insulation, our keep the water off of us, keep the warmth in, keep it breathing, keep the sweat out, um, stay comfortable in the field for longer, better binos, better spotting scopes, better boats, better motors, better tree stands. I mean, we're living in the golden age. I mean, how can you not be a good hunter today? How did our freaking granddaddies do it? How did the market hunters kill ducks? I mean, they're wearing rubber boots out there. Like, we're, we, don't, we can't bitch about any of it, but just stay ethical. The only thing that I disagree with what you just said on your little rant, Chris Cifrio, is that I could eat 60 days worth of ducks on a four-duck limit in Arkansas, no problem, because I love cooking duck meat and so many different recipes throughout the year. Um, as long as they're legal and you got your possession limits and you got federal law yeah. and state law and all that. Now, there's all that that goes into it. That, I do disagree with you about letting them go after I shoot them. I do want more ducks in the flyaways. I always want a bunch there. I do respect the good, good photography you don't need to hold them up with blood hanging everywhere yeah but i like memories and i like stories i like mounted ducks on my wall to remind me of these new sprig i just got of that hunt that i had with rocky merlo okay i got some snow geese coming i'm gonna remember those hunts forever with the friends of that i was with with jack daniels and, and anna when we got them in in iowa so that's taxidermy then the photos i mean i've gotten to the now i've gotten so nostalgic now you you've you haven't been here for a while, but I'm a, I'm not a hoarder, but I'm a collector of things that have, that have impacted my life. So yeah. like, for example, um, I was with Jim Shockey that I mentioned before. I got a towel from the golf tournament. He signed it for me. Pictures with him signed, golf ball sign, pictures of him on my podcast. And that means something to me that I was there to support the military foundation of freedom hunters and everything Anthony Pace has done at the Jim Shockey classic. I was just with Ted Nugent in Minnesota. Okay. I got an album signed by him. Motor City Madman, Cat Scratch Fever 2 Chad, What's Up, Ted Nugent, got a guitar pick, got a laminate from backstage, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to put it in a shadow box. And it's going to mean something. 
Well, these duck pictures, all these duck pictures and Axel, I just literally before this podcast walked into the studio and I have a producer here working on a project today and I looked at it. I'm like, what picture is that? And I'm like, I never saw that picture, Axel. I said, I want that printed ASAP. Upload that. I want it printed now. He said, how big? I want it going on a canvas. I got a, I got a perfect vision for this picture. So pictures now, Chris, I've been taking every picture, 500 a week off of my cell phone and uploading them to a printing service. And I got a pile. I don't know if you can see this, but it's over four feet tall right now maybe five feet tall of photo albums of all these pictures from the last 10 that nobody looks at pictures on their phone unless you're like a geek or a nerd, super nerd that you can go in there and file them yeah. all and know exactly the biggest pain in my butt is going and trying to find a picture to show to you and and then you get tired of that look at this picture yeah. Yeah. i just want people to come to the house if they choose to grab that photo album go through it they're like oh my gosh and it all started with these tables we built with the glass tops yeah. and, and we got backstage passes or drumsticks and then we got a baseball and a, a sports one then i have a family one and it started with that i'm like man my mom used to print out every picture. She's got bookshelves full of photo albums. I'm sure your mom does too. We Our house almost caught on fire because we live in a fire zone out here in the dry high desert. And the first thing my mom saved was, besides us was the photo albums. Every picture on the wall framed. She was grabbing them all, putting them in the trunks of all these cars because we had friends there helping us. So now I got all these photo albums and those pictures of me and you from five years ago. I was just looking at one yesterday. Where was I just looking at one today? Oh, it was uh, yesterday. I was up in Seattle. I just flew back this morning at two o'clock in the morning from Seattle. I was up in Seattle in the Puget Sound eating crab and cooking for Dickies and Traeger. And um, I was talking to this buyer at a hardwood store about the provider rubs. He's like, dude, this stuff is awesome. Not hardwood store, a hardware store. And he's like, this stuff's awesome. So we started going through the provider catalog. And there's your dog with me in the flooded timber with the sun shining on me, blowing a jargon call. And I'm like, I got to find that picture and get it printed. Because it looks awesome in print in that catalog. Yeah. So now I'm printing every I picture. Cherish them. I don't cherish a picture until I see one. Like, in other words, it's kind of like this. is like they always tell you to take pictures with your parents and take pictures with your kids. And you better hurry up because they get old quick. And But then all of a sudden, you, like my wife will every once in a while pop up a picture. She'll show it to me. She's like, look at this picture back in the day. And, and then all of a sudden that memory comes back. And you relive that memory through that picture. And I, and I don't, you know, appreciate it until somebody shows it to me. So I, don't get me wrong. I think pictures are great, but I, I'm always in the, the realm of things that I, I, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to take time for that. I want to just hurt, you know, I want to hunt. I want to do my thing, but really I probably need to stop and just suck up, soak it all in and say, Hey, look, you know, man, later on, I'll be able to look back and be able to relive this memory, you know, in the future. And, and I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, people, you know, there's, I think I got 7,000 photos on my, my phone. You look at them when, very rarely, huh? You very rarely look, look at them. I know. Even if you put those 7,000 on a slideshow to music on TV, you know, I'll put you on your TV and you could Apple share screen, share all the shit we can do today with technology. It still doesn't, Impact still better like old a, school like a still photo album. going through an album yep the other day the other day i'm not name dropping i feel like i am sometimes but ricky henderson is welcome us into his life he's hunting with us now we're going to baseball games one of the greatest baseball players of all time greatest leadoff hitter of all time so 
when I first met him in the in the in the duck blind, Ricky could think I'm as full as you know what is the next guy. I'm like, dude, back in the eighties, I used to drive from Reno to Oakland, my mom and dad, way before I was sixteen. The Royals would come into town. They had Bo Jackson, Brett Saberhagen, they had George Brett, one of my heroes. And then it was you and Mike's and Dave Stewart and Dave Henderson and all of the great Oakland A's. Canseco was there around that time and Mark McGuire and you name it. And he's like, man, you were down there? And I'm like, yeah, but he didn't know if I was lying to him. So then he comes up to the rodeo two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He comes to my house to go to the rodeo with me. And I take him to Justin Moore's concert. We're on Justin Moore's bus, dude. Justin Moore was like a kid in a candy store. Arkansas outdoorsman, big, tons of hits. He saw Ricky Henderson walk on. He knew I was bringing him on the bus. But he didn't know that it was going to impact him the way he lost his shit. Like, oh, my God. He wouldn't stop asking Ricky Henderson questions, right? And Ricky was there to <laughs> say how much he enjoyed R- Justin's show and his music. Yeah. So before the concert, Ricky's in my backyard, and we're bo- I'm cooking him duck. I cooked him mallards. He's like, this duck? I'm like, that's a duck. That's a speck. He's loving it. Love and eating it, right? Here comes a photo album. From 1988, 1987. I'm 12, 11 or 12. And I'm flipping through it. And I'm like, look at this. And he's like, no way. And Chris, this photo album, you got to see it when you come out here. It's pictures that we were, my dad was taking. Because my dad was like a tourist, man. Everywhere we went, he had his camera. Thank God. He's taking pictures of Ricky on first base right when he's putting his arm up to start stealing second. Him swinging at the plate, Bo Jackson at the plate, George Brett at, uh, in third base, and the outfield because George was towards the end of his career there and he was getting he was playing the outfield a little bit. Dude, he was blown away by every picture. Run, Ricky, run. 1988, Chad Belding, uh, Clay Belding, Clint Belding, Mom and Dad, Oakland Alameda's Coliseum pictures with me riding next to every single one bo jackson kansas city royals number 16 hitting third today and i wrote everything i was like a color commentator writing out everything ricky hitting ricky playing left field ricky standing with dave henderson i called it double trouble in the photo ricky's looking at it like you've had those since 1988 i said yeah i told you i was going down i was a fan my whole life and he's just blown away right but if i had just had a picture of ricky henderson on my phone he'd been like ah whatever but he's like thumbing through a photo album going he's reminiscing about his career yeah because of a photo album this little 12 year old white kid made back in 1988 that's pretty badass about photography yeah and they're not even taught it's it's not like my dad was down on the field with his credentials with the long lens you know taking pictures for sports (laughs) illustrated this is a freaking redneck with three toes on one foot dude the little camera taking freaking pictures for his kids to cherish 30 years later with Ricky Henderson at 62 or 63 years old now in my backyard at a swimming pool looking at a photo album. Ain't That's that freaking badass. That's badass. And yeah. now in 20 more years when Ricky's in his 80s and I'm in my 60s and I'm going through a photo album again now and I'm going to be like, look at us right there. We're hunting geese that day. 30, you know, 25 years ago we're hunting geese. You don't get that. You don't get that with a phone pick, man, because people are no. just tired. People are so tired of people showing them things on this phone. I'm telling you, well, I don't want to see another picture on the phone. We yeah, got off I mean, topic here. We got off topic. I apologize. I'm really thinking about Casey Underwood and this duck call. But Realtree, but Realtree and the nostalgia of hunting makes me get this way about photography and intimacy and stories and heritage and history and passion and culture and support and how these businesses are supporting this culture every day that we make our living in, we live in, we were brought up in, we were born and raised into this culture. 
Like that's what photography does for me. When I see that picture of me in the timber with your dog, that's everything. Putting my hands on that picture is more than seeing it on a phone. It is. Like seeing uh, this artwork. Here's a perfect deal. That's the last thing I'll say and I'll let you talk. I was just going through emails this morning with Casey's with emails between you and I and Casey and Realtree. And Casey has a depiction of this artwork in a in graphics and proofs online. I mean on, on email. But when you hold it in this call and you're like, oh my gosh, it don't mean shit to me. And then I, mean, I look at that and I'm just like, eh, it's right. just another digital print. This is unreal to hold this duck call and see that that guy's artwork on here that you engraved so just perfectly on here. Meticulously. That's a big word. I couldn't even spell yeah. that word. Meticulously. Please use that in a sentence. This duck call was engraved meticulously. I think that's right. Anyway, that's how those it pictures make me feel. Meticulously. <laughs> yeah. That's how those pictures make me feel. It's meticulous. I remember every part of the hunt when I'm in a photo album as opposed to on my phone. I agree. Because we, we see everything on our phone. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I, at my grandparents' house, I used to walk in there and she had photo albums sitting on the on the uh, the coffee table. We pick them up every time we went in there. We've looked at them a thousand times, but you go in there and you just flip through them and you're talking while you're flipping through them. I mean, it's it's we've gotten away from a lot of stuff like that, in my opinion. Um, just like you said, you know, printing off all those those photos and then and then putting them in a binder and letting people just flip through them when they come to come to visit or whatnot. We've gotten away from a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I look at it all the time to my phone, you know, especially with our kids or whatnot. I mean, we've, we've had a deal now where if one of us does it, we just call each other out, Ashley or me or one of our kids or whatever. If my wife or if I'm on the phone, they'll call us out and say, Hey, look, we're here. We're right here in front of you, you know, get off your phone. Um, but I think we get sucked into it. And of course, our livelihood depends on a lot of stuff in that. But I've made it a point now when I go to bed, I, we put our phones down. We don't pick them up. Everybody should. Next, and I wish I was better at it. Next morning. I wish I was better at it. I'm Just telling tough. you, Chris, I'm even going as far as printing our print ads for jargon, our pictures of our calls, pictures that we get sent to us by people with ducks in their, our calls. Yeah. Printing them all. I'm dude in 50 years when I'm going through that, if I'm alive, that's a long time. Hopefully let's say 30 years when I'm alive, I want to be going back and saying that. So this is cool stuff we're doing. I don't yeah. want to look at it on a phone. I don't want to, I want to go back and watch old episodes of the foul life. I reminisce and get tears in my eyes going back and watching season one, knowing how old I've gotten and knowing that how much fun we've had and what, the, what this journey's taking taken us on. It's unreal that we've been able to, <clears throat> excuse me, document that in video, but here's the deal. I'm not cutting you off. I want to continue this conversation in another podcast next week. Let's get another one scheduled, and, and we'll talk about the Mega Four this coming yep. week with Jargon. Because it's, dude, the dog days of summer are going to fly by. The rest of July, August, and then we're in September. I'm in Texas for for Blueing Teal. I'm in New York for Canada Geese, and then we're into the season. You and I will be hunting together. Um, it's here. JargonGameCalls.com is about to go crazy when people start ordering. It always happens. Um, our new calls are going into Max and Final Flight and Simmons and – uh, Paducah shooter and, and fur fins feather and all over cut them down waterfowl. We're going to have them all over the country and retailers online at jargongamecalls.com. I want to have another podcast with Chris Cifrio, owner and co-founder of Jargon Game Calls in Searcy, Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas. But it's summertime. It's Sunday. 
we're doing this on a Sunday because we were so fired up to get it done on Friday and we had a little malfunction. I'm getting in the pool. I'm barbecuing today. I'm actually cooking some snow goose today. I'm doing some really cool recipes that you guys will see some content on as old as that gets. But I want to continue this. Thank you, Casey Underwood. At CP Underwood on Instagram. I want to make sure I have that right. At CP Underwood. C is in Charlie, P is in Paul Underwood on Instagram. Go check out this man's artwork. He blew me away with it. And then Chris's engraving onto this live duck call with the Max 7 logo, the real tree horns, the Jargon J in the box. Max 7's coming out, Delta Water Falcon National Convention, Little Rock, Arkansas, weekend of June 30th. We'll be there with Team Realtree, Team Bandit. Come check out our booths. It's going to be unbelievable. Chris will be there. It's going to be fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Three days. I'm going to head to the beach after that, I think. I need some beach time. I need to rest this mind a little bit. Thank you, Realtree. Thank you, Bill Jordan and Tyler Jordan. Thank you, Jim, again. Thank you, Andrew Murray. Thank you, Daniel Thomas. All Everybody down there. Johnny Carter, you guys are awesome. Realtree, friends, family, the outdoors. You just don't get any better than this new Max 7 pattern. We're proud to be part of it. We're honored. We're humbled. The new live duck, Realtree Duck Call, going to be available soon at Realtree.com. It's going to be available in Arkansas at Little Rock again at the Delta Waterfowl National Convention weekend of July 30th. Come see us there. Chris Cifrio, any closing words, my man, Jargon Game Calls? Uh, the only thing I want to say again is we sure do appreciate Humboldt that we're, we're able to work on this call for Realtree. I mean, I just, like I said, uh, we're at the NWTF show, first year I ever went with you. And uh, we had a place as far as, you know, at the Whiskey Bent Saloon upstairs with the, the loft above the Whiskey Bent. And uh, it's surreal when you see somebody that you've grown up all these years watching on TV. And I mean, I grew up as somewhat of a deer hunter and then I got into duck hunting as I got around 11, 12 years old where I could kind of move around myself. But I watched David Blanton walk right in front of me and I'm like, that's David Blanton right there. I watched him on TV a bunch, you know, and it's things like that are surreal to me. And it's just, you know, again, I don't get starstruck, but I, I respect those guys. I mean, the things that they've done and that's what's so cool about this Realtree call. I mean, I, you know, everybody I talk to, I say, hey, I'm working on Realtree call. And, you know, they're like, Realtree? I can't believe Realtree, you know? it's That's the biggest name in the industry, which it is. I mean, they've come so, so far from so long ago, and they've been in the business for so, so many years now. It's just, I don't know, I have huge respect for them. So, humble. And I, and I, I love how, I love how it turned out. But as far as the engraving on it, like you were talking about, what was the word you were using? As far as uh, meticulously, meticulous. Well, that's what they're. The reason why it's so meticulous on this call is because it's a wraparound call. You know, the engraving goes all the way around, so you have to set everything up in your engraver for it to exactly stop and not engrave on top on top of the other side. So we we spend a lot of time testing parts, and I mean, all your your specs have to be dead nuts in order for it to do it. So, um, but once you got everything locked in. It was uh, it was awesome, and it's rewarding to sit here and look at it. And like you said, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, we'll be able to look back on this call and say, man, do you remember that day? Remember that year we worked on that Realtree call? And I'm sure wait. there's more to come. Oh, but I'm more excited. Thank you, Bill Jordan, 1986, Realtree, Friends, Family, Outdoors. This is Chad Belding for my partner and good friend, Chris Cifrio, owner and co-founder of Jargon Game Calls. Check us out at jargongamecalls.com. Thank you, Rigid. 
own the night rigid industries can't wait to show you some of the new stuff they got coming out jargongamecalls.com brand new episodes of season 14 of benelli's the foul life airing right now exclusively on the outdoor channel we are in Wisconsin this week. I hope y'all are enjoying the episodes. And the Foul Life Podcast, we're, we're, uh, we're previewing episodes every week. So we'll be previewing episode number three this week on the podcast. Join us right here, all of our sister podcasts. This Life Ain't For Everybody, Where the Payment Ends, 40 Years to Freedom, Anna V's American Wing Shooting Podcast. We're growing our podcast portfolio. Hopefully y'all are enjoying the diversity in guests and topics. You can find us at thefowllife.com, jargongamecalls.com. Can't wait to show you more. Check out our new rubs and cookbooks at theproviderlife.com. For Chris Ciprio, Chad Belding, here comes 2AM Logic. This song is called My Pal Life.